Surprise! Yep, welcome, welcome. <laughs> you weren't expecting this, were you? There you go, we're back. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> like a bad penny. Uh, there it is. We love you. Don't worry, it's a good thing. <laughs> I have no idea what day it is. We decided to jump back into your ear hole because uh, we're having so much fun with this and we wanted to do this one more time, even though we're technically done. There it is. And we're looking at Proverbs 19 out of the ESV. I'm Pastor Joseph, and this is my brother, Pastor Jer. Hey. You ready to get it going? Let's do it, man. Okay. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with his word, but does not have them. Whoever gets sense loves his own soul, but he who keeps understanding will discover good. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, much less for a slave to rule over princes. Good sense make one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. A king's wrath is like the growing of a lion, the growling of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. A foolish son is ruined to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Slothful is cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life, and he who despises his ways will die. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Discipline your son, for there is hope, and do not set your heart on putting him to death. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Strike a scoffer and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Cease to hear instruction, my son, 
and you will stray from the words of knowledge. A worthless witness mocks at justice. The mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. Condemnation is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. That's Proverbs 19, all 29 verses. May God bless the reading, hearing, and us obeying <laughs> his word. For sure. Anything step out to you there? Yeah, um, there are a couple ones that I've drilled into my head. Um, verse 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied, and he will not be visited by harm. Um, we've talked about this before, how there is um, truth in this type of a verse that seems like an extreme, mm -hmm. um, because we know that everyone in the Bible so for Enoch, who was carried away, died. So there was death. The question is, how do you view harm? Mm -hmm. um, as well as, how do you view rest? Satisfied. Um, I had a good conversation this morning. Um, uh, I was talking to a nurse, and, um, and we were talking about how in our culture it encourages dissatisfaction. Right. Um, and um, for me, it was an opportunity to share my faith. Um, I'm not sure where her faith stands, but it was it was one of those things where I switched it to one of the issues why we aren't satisfied. You've heard me say this before, is that we don't have healthy relationships. And so we don't have healthy relationships with God. We don't have healthy relationships with others and we don't have them with ourselves. And even in the others, because we don't have healthy relationships, we put the things that should be in relationship or valued in relationship with others into objects. Mm -hmm. And therefore we aren't satisfied because that object can't do what we want. That object <laughs> can't fulfill something that that's not what their purpose is. Um, you know, you mentioned going to satiate your thirst from a pen. Well, it's, it's, it's the idea. And you mentioned this before, like I can wear the greatest or nicest clothes, whether it's, you know, Hermes and Gucci, or if it's the new Nike Jordans or whatever it is to try and find a sense of fulfillment, mm -hmm. but clothes were never meant to do that. That was for the covering of sin. And when we look at the garden of Eden, <laughs> that was the original <laughs> meaning for clothing. It was to <laughs> cover up from God. So like the, the, the that, that's the topic for today. Every time you get dressed in the morning, tell yourself, this is because I'm a sinner. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where <laughs> when you think about, okay, like what am I doing with the energy, the time, the research, mm -hmm. um, Again, time being money based off of the world's definition. Um, and, and that often relates to how we engage with others. Am I willing to invest the time into relationship with my neighbors, with God, with others? Or do I view that as a loss when I could be working or doing my side hustle or whatever? There's a relationship that requires depth that can't be found in things. And so they never satisfy. Um, you know, they just don't. Um, and so just for this, for me, this verse is whoever has it rest satisfied. So for me, fearing the Lord has a threefold blessing in it. And um, that's the type of life I seek to live, a life where I am not only being blessed, but all those around me are being blessed because I truly am living a life in fear of God, uh, not hiding from God, but right. just the opposite of what 
you know, again, Adam and Eve did, um, I think a true fear of the Lord would have had them repent. I think they still thought they could figure it out. Like they could work it out. So they had a pride of life, a pride of heart, and didn't have a healthy fear of the Lord. And that takes us to verse three. Whoever yes. falls because of the hastiness of his footsteps, his heart rages against the Lord. That one is instructive to me. Um, as someone who walks with a lot of other Christians and a lot of people who are ex-Christians, who are recovering Christians in their own mind, they've stepped out of the, the deceit, the, the lies of Christianity, the oppression of the Bible, the um, power-mongering and tyranny of the culture of Christianity. And, and with the rise of uh, the former believers, the ex-evangelicals, um, this has become a lot more prevalent. Um, but I've, I think I've said it here, maybe uh, on the other podcast, um, it's, it's my opinion. It's been my experience that people don't change their theology. They don't get mad at God because they read something in scripture that changes their mind about who God is. They get mad at God when they have been proceeding along a road, believing it's going to go a particular way, and then it doesn't. Mm. And for most of us, the reason that that happens is because we have not been walking in relationship with God. Instead, we've been treating whether or not we've called the relationship, we have been treating the relationship with God as if it were either transactional and or for my comfort, satiation, and fulfillment. And as a result, I go to God to have him put his stamp of approval on whatever I'm doing or to iron out whatever things I haven't figured out. And I, I use this as an insurance policy. And when it goes wrong, I, I don't look in the mirror and say, well, was I being selfish? Was I being hasty? Was I being foolish? Was I um, being judgmental? Was I making myself the, the author of truth? And did I miss God in this? I, I don't do that at all most times. Instead, I, I just look at the heavens and start shaking my fist and say, well, if you're there, you're, mm. you're a Scrooge and I want nothing to do with you. And you're probably not there anyway, because look at all the bad things Christians have done. And while I can see the problems logically in that response, as a believer, I'm called to be able to walk with people who are going through this in a way that is neither dismissive nor derisive, mm. but can still speak the truth of Christ in love to them in a winsome way that God can speak through me to call to their heart, to speak to their pain, to speak to the sin that they're trying to cover. Mm. And it goes to, and I don't know which verse it was, but it was in the last third. The, the uh, anger of the king is like the growling of a lion, but his oh, yeah. fever is like the dew on the grass. Yeah, verse 12. Mm -hmm. One of two things is going to happen with the king. When you're talking about a true king, one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to be to you like a lion that's going to tear you, as my 10-year-old loves to say, limb from limb. Or he's going to be that thing that every day refreshes the ground 
causes the grass to be able to stand up straight and be renewed. Mm. And the question for us is, which one do we want? Do we want the lion or do we want the dew? Because the king is going to be the king, period. The question is, how are we going to approach him? And are we going to incur his anger? Or are we going to receive his favor? And that has, that has everything to do with us. His, he's simply responding to us. And, you know, someone might go down an argument here and say, well, doesn't that make God weak? Doesn't that make God, uh, you know, if, if God's just responding to us, isn't he supposed to be all powerful? Why doesn't he cause the things to happen that he wants to happen? And the answer there is also found in this chapter. What's desired in a man is steadfast love. Yeah, that, I mean, that's verse 22. And that, I'm going to have highlighted, circled. <laughs> yeah. And that leads for this chapter, as well as everything we've been covering. Yep. Is um, clear that steadfast love is the, um, I call it old people love, but it's not old people love. I call it old married love is what I do call it. Um, it's It's that beautiful thing that requires time to mature. But it also requires a lot of forgiveness, grace, mercy, patience, endurance. Right. Um, it, it understands that at least within steadfast love, it's not about happiness. It's about being joy-filled. It's, it's a completely different thing. And um, steadfast love is something that uh, um, the best thing I can say is it models almost that familial love. Like it's, you give it to your siblings naturally. And I, I find it entertaining because you're family, Jared. So I, it's, it's one of those things where I can say, you know, I, I have a steadfast love for you and we can look from years and say, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's a steadfast love. That's, yeah. that, you know, we didn't know each other in high school. We met in grad school and um, it's, it's still been almost 20 years, exactly, which is yeah. still just about half our lifetime. Um, correct. And it, it's, it's, one of those things, at least for me, with a steadfast love, you don't really, um, It's at least for me, it's odd. You don't really choose it. It's one of those things where God makes it um, this thing where he just kind of says, this is what I'm doing. And yeah. you can choose to embrace it or not. But if you do, the fruit of it is truly where you can be restful. <laughs> it's where it is very much a gift that God gives and either we recognize and embrace or we don't recognize and don't embrace or we recognize and reject. Well, I, I think that part of it also, as we um, embrace it, is you have to make space for it. Um, uh, right now we're doing the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book. Um, we're going through it on the cover. It's got this big iceberg on the front. Um, and <laughs> very Christian-y, um, yeah. but <laughs> it's, um, it's supposed to be showing the, the whole person. Um, you right. often see what they want to show, but there's a lot more under the surface. And I would say that, that for most people, we're happy with staying with above the surface. We don't even want to get to the surface. Um, we just want to go with what looks the easiest to get around with or get along with, or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in relationship, you value the person for the person and to love them as a person, just how Christ has loved us. 
is a beautiful thing where, again, there's grace and mercy and so much overwhelming um, uh, care and connection um, to the point of being willing to journey with one another so that it fulfills the definition of steadfast love. I, I think we need more of it. I think we have to help one another um, by being intentional um, and also not rushing it. Um, right. Because if anyone had told me, you know, over 20 years ago that <laughs> we'd be doing this and that we'd even still be friends, like, I, I, I mean, I've, and I've had friends, classmates that we've gone through some really tough stuff with mm -hmm. um, and crazy stuff that aren't friends anymore. And um, the, the one main thing I'd say is Christ being in the center of the relationship and then granting each other the grace not to come with um, a fix-it mentality, but a faithful mentality or a follower mentality. It's like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm willing to pray with my brother. I'm willing to journey yeah. with him. Yeah. And, yep. Um, you know, that's that's a different one. We trip and fall and we want to fix it. And it's like, no, I, I just don't know what you're doing. I, I trust you, God. I don't agree with this. <laughs> um, or I do agree with what, what, what is going for and I will support and cheer on. Um, but it is it is challenging because just as with family, um, there's never a question of love. It's always there. That's not the question. You know, the question is, will it be steadfast? Yeah. How is it steadfast? Because we call each other and listen and encourage and challenge and push and irritate like family. <laughs> the way it's supposed and, to be. Yeah. And, and know that there are rebukes every now and then and we work through that. And again, it's done in love. It's never a question of, do you love me? It's, um, more a question of where have you been or why, like, why are we not as connected or that kind of thing? Um, because the relationship <laughs> is special. What? Why are you like yeah. Every real relationship has to be able to, to bear the question. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. I was, I was reading in um, this morning and in, in first Corinthians and, thinking about steadfast love as we have been and thinking about the description of love as patient, as kind, as bearing all things, as believing all things, as hoping the best. It's describing a Christ-like love. Mm -hmm. A Christ-like love that I, I recently read um, Atlas Shrugged and as I'm reading through the concept here, the statement that um, any kind of self-sacrifice is at least unethical and actually immoral. I'm seeing where a, this particular philosophy runs completely against what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because Christ said, no, the most the, the test of morality not is not what did you do for yourself, but what have you given up in order to receive what I will give you. Hmm. That's, and that's, that's the challenge for me. That's the challenge in my in my marriage when as I walk with my wife. Not, not what have I built, what have I changed, what have I caused to come about? 
but what have I given up in order to be a vessel through whom God can work to benefit my bride, to benefit my children, to benefit my employer and my congregation and my family and my friends? Because the scary thing there is, Paul describes this as being a sacrifice that's given up daily. Does this mean that I get wrung out like a rag every day and spent in a way that is really uncomfortable and oftentimes very painful? Yeah, it does. Hmm. But what I've experienced is that the favor of the king is like the dew every morning. And I would rather live there trusting that the dew is going to be on the grass again tomorrow morning when I open my eyes and pop out of bed than to be running after the things that I want to build, I'm afraid to let go of, and then turn around when it all falls apart and says, God, you did this. Because I, you know, I know how <laughs> when my kids do that to me and they turn around and say, it's your fault, you know, I, I have compassion for them, but I, I turn back to them and say, actually, that was on you. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch you work, figure out what you're going to do because you've still broken the relationship between you and me. And I'm here for you, but I'm here for you waiting for you to come back to this relationship. Hmm. That's, that's, a daily, that's a daily decision that we have to make as believers. The fact that I've walked faithfully with my God for 30 plus years does not mean I will for another 30 years or even a 30, another 30 minutes. Either Christ is who he said he is. And I'm going to choose to hold on to that until the bitter end. And I'm going to choose to build my life on that. Or I'm going to choose to reject it. And I'm going to go my own way. For me, it really is being convinced. It really is being convinced that the best thing I can do is hold on to what I'm convinced is true because that's what's going to benefit the most people around me. Hmm. Well, this is your bonus. And it's right. a heavy bonus. <laughs> it's a, a bonus to get you ready for <laughs> anchored and devoted. This isn't the format, but this is definitely, we hope, you know, your gain and God's glory. Um, and again, we're thankful that you wrestled with us and lift up, you know, God's heavy word. Um, we are praying for you and we want to hear from you. And we pray that God blesses you throughout this year. You want to close this out in prayer, brother? Or? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Huh. Father, you are good and a gracious God. Jesus, you have come to us to demonstrate and to proclaim the name of your Father and to show his glory. And you have invited us into an intimate relationship with you and with your Father through adoption, through the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for each of us hearing these words right now, that the work you began in us, 
you would be faithful to bring to completion. Lord, you know what you're doing. You know the hardships that that those who have listened with us as we've been going through these last 90 days, you know what they're going through. You know the challenges and the fears and the regrets and the anger and the pain that they've suffered. You know what's standing in their way. But Father, you are a God of steadfast love. You are a God who brings the daily dew, restores life, revives the heart, is a stronghold to those who run to you. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would graciously demonstrate your mighty right hand to each of us in the way that we need it, that we would run to you as our daddy, as our strong tower, as our protector and our lover. Lord, that is the path of wisdom. That is the road of righteousness. That is the way to gain wisdom and understanding and to know the fear of the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would call us to it again today and to every day that it's called today, that you would be glorified and that we would be built up in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you in the first of May, that first week. Have a great one. Bye-bye.